Hello and welcome to Quick Looks from the Long View. This is episode number 13, Lucky 13, being recorded on February uh, the 9th in 2016. So lots of teen numbers there. And with me, as always, is teen heartthrob sensation, uh, Lloyd Keller. Uh, Lloyd, I would like you today to say hello as if you were a very excited but trying to be oh-so-careful uh, lepidopterist. Wow, so, uh, okay, a lepidopterist. Well, hello, and look at what a beautiful specimen we have for today's show. We have so many delicate little things to talk about with this wonderful game about butterflies. Very good, very good. That was quite good. I would almost believe that you were, watch me look at the paper again, that you were indeed a lepidopterist. Um, a butterfly enthusiast. And the reason we have you saying hello as a butterfly enthusiast is in honor of uh, Dr. Finn's newest game, which is called The Butterfly Garden, which is one of the uh, titles that we're going to be reviewing tonight. Uh, in addition, we're also going to be looking at another uh, interesting game, uh, which is another small card game, and this one's called Oh My Goods. Um, don't really know where that title came from. Uh, but it is a, a, a nice little card game that uh, Lloyd and I have had some chances to play, so we're going to talk about that one as well. So, uh, without any further ado, let's get to our first review. So, the first game that we're going to talk about today is a brand new title from uh, Dr. Finn's Games. Uh, this is a game that actually has not yet been released. I believe the Kickstarter is going to be starting for this uh, very soon in, in the month of February. And this is a game that uh, uh, Steve Finn had uh, asked if I would be interested in looking at. And of course, being a fan of all of his great games like Biblios and Cosmic Run and um, you know so many fantastic games, the Institute for Magical Arts, um, I said, oh sure, you know, I would love it. And he said, well, you know, this is kind of a light game. It might be my lightest game. And, you know, are you still interested? I'm like, absolutely, you know, because I love light games as much as I love heavy games. Um, so a Butterfly Garden is a fun game for sure. Uh, it is unique in quite a few ways. This is a game that is um, designed for a vast play range of players. So it's two to six. So I've played this game with two, and it plays very well. I've played with a full table of six. It plays very well. Um, the playtime is listed to 15 to 30 minutes. I would say it's probably closer to the 30 minutes, um, especially with more players and a higher player count. Um, and, you know, the, the, the theme of the game is you are collecting butterflies and putting them in your little jar, which is this nice little card that comes with the game. It's your butterfly jar. And the butterfly jar can only hold eight butterflies, okay? So you can't jam too many of them in there, okay? <laughs> Unless you're going to stick a pin in them or something. Oh. So, but you are trying to capture, you know, these beautiful species of butterflies, and then you are going to be delivering them to butterfly gardens, okay? Um, local gardens and things that, uh, uh, you know, are looking for these types of displays. So... Um, you're out there with your butterfly net and, you know, you're stalking your prey. Uh, the very elusive and dangerous monarch butterfly, you know. <laughs> no one knows. You know, it's very, it's very fast. You have to be careful. Butterflies are known for their blazing speed. <laughs> and <laughs> their penchant for flying to trees in Mexico. Um, right. But other than that, um, so there's all these uh, wonderful illustrations of all these different types of butterflies. And basically what you're doing is you're filling orders. So there are order cards um, that are kind of set off to the side. 
side, and a certain number of them are revealed depending on the number of players. It's usually one less than the total number of players. And um, then there's also one that's flipped up. It's kind of like a expected delivery. Like, you know, you can kind of see a future delivery. Like, what's the next one that's going to come out? And this is going to give you the ability to kind of plan for the future if what it is that you're looking for, um, you know, it would be something that would uh, give you a target to, to look at if you were kind of stymied based on the, you know, types of cards that you have in your hand or that you've accumulated. And so what you have is you have a hand of three cards, and you will always have a hand of three cards. And there will be a flop, a central flop display of butterfly cards in front of you. That's going to be equal to the number of players. And what you're going to do is on your turn, uh, you are going to pick a card from your hand. You're going to put it face down, and everybody else is going to do the same thing. Now, these cards all depict butterflies. And they all have a number on them, a numerical value. And I think it goes from zero, like up to 58 or something like that, okay? It goes pretty high. It does. Um, and so then what you're going to do is everybody is going to flip and reveal their card. The number on the card that you flipped and revealed is going to determine the turn order for that round. And the lowest card is going to get first pick of the cards from the display. And the highest card is going to get last pick, okay? Oh, actually, it's just going to get the last card. Um, and the, the interesting kind of balance that, that uh, Steve did here is the low number cards are awesome because they give you first grab, but they only have typically like one butterfly on them. Why is that important? Well, that's important because the card that you bid with allows you to take a card from the center row and put it into your hand for future rounds. But the card that you played the one that you flipped over that determines your uh, order that you're going to pick, that's actually the card that you're going to get to take and you're going to get to tuck into your butterfly jar. And so there's this really nice balance there of I can pick first, but I'm not putting much in my jar. Whereas the cards that have a lot of butterflies on them, they could have up to three. Uh, those have like really high numbers like 42 or, you know, uh, 38 or, you know, 51 or whatever, right? And so there's this really nice kind of balancing act that you have to do because you have to look over at the order cards and sometimes you're going to play a card as a bid not because you particularly care about what order you pick in but because you need that butterfly to go in your jar so you can fill that order unfortunately though because filling orders is done in turn order someone might be able to beat you to it but you can kind of look around the table and see okay is anybody else close to filling that order or not am i okay and so sometimes you're going to kind of base your decision on the order card. Sometimes you're going to base your decision on the butterfly card that you want in the center desperately. Like I want this one with a yellow, a blue, and a purple butterfly, right? And other times you're just kind of jockeying for, you know, position and you're trying to snag a card uh, that might be useful to somebody else. So there's all kinds of interesting sort of choices that you can make in a very light and simple mechanism of bid with a card, grab a card, tuck the card you bid with, fill an order. That's pretty much the whole game. Yeah. Um, however, there's a lot of interesting decisions. Um, there are some definite ways that you can mess with your opponents. Um, and there's other kind of interesting parts of the game. For example, there's wild cards that are kind of wild butterflies. Okay. <laughs> like, he's like, butterflies gone wild. <laughs> They're taking off their antenna. That's right. That's right. They take off their antenna. These butterflies go to Mexico, but they're going to Cabo, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
coming out of their cocoon. <laughs> That's right, coming out of their cocoon, coming into their own. Butterflies <laughs> gone wild. So anyway, you have... Sorry, Steve. You have... <laughs> you have wild butterflies, right? And no, we're not drinking. You have wild butterflies. <laughs> Although you were drinking water. I almost got a spit take, but that would have been all over my computer, which would have been bad. Um, you have wild butterflies, which are awesome because... They can be used to fulfill any order, and some of the orders actually require a, a wild butterfly, which is kind of nifty. Uh, but of course, they're usually really high-numbered cards, so they're cool, but uh, they're, they're probably going to make you pick last in a later round, and, and you might not want to do that. So that's really kind of nifty. And then the order cards themselves are kind of fun because um, some of the order cards will require different combinations of butterflies, but some of them will say, hey, any four of the same, or two identical pairs or you know any three or you know whatever so um it, it's not super restrictive and there's usually some ways that you can play creatively which i think those kind of wild cards uh really uh, allow you to kind of play around with so that's really kind of cool uh and then coupled with that you also have uh, some special abilities on the cards themselves on the wild cards some of the wild cards for example you will not get to use when you play it it actually just gets tucked as points. And it's almost like filling an order, like a three-point or a four-point order. So a small order, but it could be what puts you over the edge. So a lot of times I like to hold on to those cards till late in the game when maybe my opponent's about to win, but I'm also kind of close with them and I can just kind of push myself over the top, right? Uh, there is a certain point total that you're trying to reach uh, depending on the number of players, and that's going to determine who wins the game. However, the round is always finished. So I have seen games of this and played games of this where one person ends the game, but another person's actually to make a last delivery that is uh, putting them in a higher total than the person who actually triggered the end of the game. So that's really kind of cool too. So this is a game that's got really nice artwork. Um, it's got a, a, a fun theme, uh, this, this little theme of capturing butterflies and sticking them in your jar. Uh, there's very clever card design. Like for example... The cards that you bid with have these nice big pictures of butterflies, but on the bottom edge, there's just a, a white border that has a, a smaller picture of the butterflies that are on that card, so that when you actually tuck that card, it actually tucks underneath your jar card, and you can clearly see the number and types of butterflies that you have tucked in your jar, which is kind of cool. And then the point cards, the ones that have points, have the white banner on the other side, so you can kind of tuck them on the other side, and so at a glance, you've got everything you need right in front of you. And the butterfly jar card also, um, you know, at least in this, this version that I'm playing, has all of the information about all the special cards, and it has the flow of the round. So everything you need to play is in this little card game, and it plays a really wonderful variety of players as far as, like, I can get just about anybody interested in this game, uh, except for my son, who doesn't like butterflies. They creep <laughs> him out. And I can play with, you know, casual gamers, but there's enough kind of meaty, crunchy decisions there, you know, especially when you're doing that bidding that like, you know, you'll, you'll have a table of people who are kind of serious gamers, just like, you know, the hand goes up to the forehead and everybody's just kind of staring at their cards like, what do I throw? What do I throw? What's he going to throw? I just saw him take that zero. Saw him take that zero. If he throws that zero card... And I've got this three I've been holding on to all game because I need that card. If he throws that zero, I'm going to scream. I swear <laughs> I'm going to scream, right? And so you're sitting there and trying to think about what the other players have. What cards have you seen them take? When might it be safe for you to throw a certain card or a high value card? So this is a game that I really enjoy. 
Uh, it's gotten a lot of play, a lot of rotation. Uh, it's been, you know, I took it to the game store. I've played it with the family. Uh, everyone I've introduced it to has really liked it. So um, I really think that this is uh, another winner from Steve Finn um, at Dr. Finn's Card Games. And uh, I really uh, I would encourage people to kind of keep an, uh, an ear out for it and see if you hear the flutter of butterfly wings. So uh, those are my impressions. Lloyd, what would you have to say about the game? I enjoyed this a lot. And one of the things I think I liked the most about it was the fact that not only those butterfly cards had wilds, but also those order cards that you're trying to fill had wilds. Uh Because if it was a straight-up recipe-filling game where every butterfly card that came out that you had to fulfill an order for was exactly a recipe, I think it would probably drag. Mm -hmm. But the Mm -hmm. fact that some of those order cards have, you know, your choice. Maybe you need a green and a blue and a yellow and then any two of your choice. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that opens it up to, like you said, <clears throat> being able to do some really nice strategies and being able to look around at the table and see, well, you know, okay, I'm really close and Olivia's really close. So maybe on this round, I just want to throw a really low card mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I know I'm going to be able to fulfill that then before she will. And right. I'm not too concerned then about what I grab out of the center because I'm, I'm looking more at maybe what card I'm throwing out of my hand. I like the uh, the duality of the way that the lower valued cards, right. which are going to let you go first, aren't really all that great when you tuck them into your jar. Right, but right. those high valued ones give you, like you said, two or three different butterflies. And I was able to use that quite a bit where I somehow got the zero butterfly. Mm-hmm. And then on a later round after that had been tucked into my jar, I got to use the ability Special ability on one of the cards, which lets you tuck a card from your hand into your jar and pull another card back. So naturally, I pulled my zero back, and I'm like, hey, I have the zero for a second round, and I threw that again. And (laughs) you were like, wait a minute. You already played that. And I already played that. I know. know. I hated that. Yeah, I know you did. That was was a lot of great. (laughs) You have serious balance issues. Yes, I have serious doubts. No, uh, in all fairness. <laughs> no, it was it was very well done. Yeah, it was clever play. And that's you know? why I won. And, yeah, no. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, yeah, it was clever play. Uh, and clever play is rewarded in the game, and I like that. And, I, you know, I've also, um, you know, I also like the fact that sometimes those low-value cards are actually worth something to you. Because if your jar ever gets above eight, you can only hold eight. And then you have to discard. So sometimes it's handy. To have one of those low-value cards that you had tucked that only has one butterfly because it's much easier to ditch that than it is to have to discard a two or a three butterfly card. And you're like, oh, my God, you know, there just goes everything, right? They all escaped. Right. right? They made a prison break. They, they tunneled, busted out. They tunneled out of the jar <laughs> with their proboscis. <laughs> <laughs> they ate through that little That's netting right. you've got across the top. That's right. Right, right. They did with their, with their long proboscis and tongue. So... <laughs> Now it's all graphic. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, this is a really nifty game, and uh, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. So uh, if you're interested in, in a quick game that can play and support a large uh, variety of player counts, uh, something with a fun little theme attached to it, uh, with clever and engaging kind of play, then I would definitely suggest uh, Butterfly Garden from Dr. Finn Games. Lloyd, do you have anything else you want to say about it before we sign off? Yeah, I, I think uh, Steve should definitely make a moth game just for you. No, no, no. While <laughs> All I'm different cool, types of yeah, moths. Yeah, no, while you I'm would cool with butterflies, it. I am not cool with moths, and we're going to leave that right there. So <laughs> thank you very and much for sharing that. And instead of a jar, that. it could be like hey, an electrified bug zapper. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> hey, you, you know what, the dude? Mods. You know what? There's a reason nobody collects moths, okay? All right? There's a reason you don't go for a, a moth garden, okay? Nobody wants to see that is all I'm saying. All right. So, anyway, that's our thoughts and that's our review for Butterfly Garden by uh, Steve Finn, Dr. Finn Games. So, the last game that we're going to talk about tonight is a brand new title from a designer that I've come to really enjoy quite a bit uh, by the name of Alexander Pfister. Um, and the game that we're going to be talking about tonight is Oh My Goods, uh, which is a another card game and uh, comes in a nice small box. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a game that really kind of caught me by surprise. I'd heard some mixed reviews about it. Um, and I thought, well, you know, I'm going to give it a shot. I threw it in my order at gamesurplus.com um, because, you know, they always have uh, awesome import stuff before anybody else has it. And uh, so she sent it to me along with my uh, other order. And I really kind of fell for this game. I really decided I liked it. And when I was done, I'm like, wow, you know, who's the designer on this? It's like Alexander Pfister. I'm like, where do I know that? So I started kind of like looking through my collection. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is a guy that did Isle of Skye. I really like Isle of Skye. That's a great... Oh, wait a minute. This is the guy that did Mombasa. We just played Mombasa (laughs) yesterday. And then, wait, wait. He's the guy that did Port Royal. And so before I knew it, I was kind of like, wow, okay. Uh, I actually know quite a lot of this guy's games. Um, I think his oldest game that I remember is The Mines of Zavendor. Um, You know, he's been making some pretty nifty games for a while now. And so uh, this game is uh, a new game. Uh, It's from Lookout Games. And it's for ages 10 and up, plays about 30 minutes. I'd say that's accurate. Uh, Two to four players. And it's a sort of an economic card game. It's sort of an engine building kind of a card game. And uh, it's really kind of, uh, uh, it's got some things in it that I find I'm always drawn to, which are kind of multi-use cards. Mm -hmm. Okay, this notion that the cards in the game are going to either be basically goods that are going to be worth uh, different amounts of kind of money, or uh, they're going to be buildings that you're going to be building in front of you. Um, And so uh, in a very sort of simple and kind of elegant way, uh, he has kind of designed this game whereby um, you're kind of like in living in medieval times and you start off with like basically like a charcoal, like like a charcoal burner, burner or, some or something, yeah. right? And so uh, you start off the game with just this real humble little, you know, uh, uh, thing to make charcoal, right? And you just burn wood, make charcoal. And the charcoal, of course, is has got some value. You can sell it. Um, but it's only worth like one buck, right? It's, it's you know, it's kind of basic. But you start off the game with your charcoal burner. You start off with $7, if I'm remembering correctly. And you have a hand of cards that you draw. And from this, you're now going to try and build an engine so that you can uh, create uh, lots of synergies, which is another thing that I'm really drawn to in these kind of card games, where certain buildings will work with other buildings and allow you to kind of uh, upgrade and and, uh, work together. And so that's kind of a fun part of the game. And you're building different types of buildings. So they could have buildings to do with like, you know, wheat, like, you know, you're like making bread or you're just growing wheat um, or you're making flour. Um, And so like there's certain cards that will kind of work together. So like if you have a field that makes, uh, you know, flour and then you can turn the flour into the bread, uh, each of those things up that production chain, that's what they call it, a chaining game, um, is going to be more and more valuable, which is really kind of cool. 
Um, and then there are other types of buildings. And there's all these different kinds. Like there's there's one where you can make, uh, you kind of like make cows, right? So you right. have like livestock. And then from livestock, you can get hides, right? Or leather. And then from the leather, you can make, um, you know, other types of goods. And they're all just more and more valuable as you go along. Uh, in addition, you also have cards that are kind of just like upgrade cards. So these are the kind of cards that are going to uh, give you like a recurring benefit every round. They're either going to give you a larger hand size or I'm sorry, a larger draw size at the end of every round. Or perhaps they're going to give you uh, a recurring good that only you can use. Uh, because the other part of this game is it's kind of like a recipe filling game. So if I want to build one of these buildings, there are certain requirements that I need um, that I'm going to need in order to use the building. So purchasing the building just costs me money. So I have a handful of cards in my hand and they can vary in price from like $3, you know, really cheap, all the way up to like $18. Okay, yeah. really expensive. And of course, you know, a lot of times the effects are connected to the cost of the card. You know, like really good, powerful cards are going to cost you a lot of money. So what you're going to do is you're going to pay money, um, and you can pay starting with your charcoal kind of kiln, right? So you, you start with that, and then hopefully later you can get like a lumber yard, um, you know, where you can, and then you can mill the lumber, and that's going to be worth more. And so you're always looking to kind of make more money. You know, you're trying to, uh, you know, make charcoal into coal. You know, you're trying to find all these different ways that you can upgrade. And so you pay for the card, you put it down. And then what you're going to try to do is you are going to try to activate these cards during uh, every round by assigning a worker. And you have a, a little card that represents your worker. And that worker is either going to work sloppy, <laughs> okay, um, uh, or that worker is going to work carefully, okay? If they work carefully, they need every kind of good that's on the sort of recipe, right? So if I want to make bread, I need a few different things. I might need clay. I'm assuming that's kind of thematically like for the oven. Uh, I'm going to need flour. I'm going to need uh, maybe some stone. So I'm going to need these items. Or I might need two of one and one of another, whatever. It's a recipe, right? And so... I have to either have those cards in my hand in order to then make that bread, or I have to get it from the market. And this is one of the cool parts of the game that some people I know really don't like, because it's very random. What happens is every single card is, as I already said, if you play it face down, it's money. If you play it face up in front of you, it's a building, okay? But it also has a little resource icon on it on the side. And that's what it is in the market. It's what's available. And some of these cards also have a little picture of a sun, okay, like a rising sun. Or maybe it's a setting sun. Hard to say, right? Not even Ben Franklin would know. So, no, he wouldn't. <laughs> what you're going to do, I, I, I'm going to pay something nice for somebody who gets that joke. So if you think you get that joke, you write into the forum and you let me know. And <laughs> I'll do something nice for you. Like maybe send you a game or something. Okay. Anyway. So. What were we talking about? Suns. Suns. Okay, so <laughs> now Sunrise, it's have sunset. Okay. <laughs> so what we got is these cards, and every uh, it, it's the same deck of cards you use for everything. And what you're going to do is you're going to flip cards from that central deck into the middle of the table, and that's called the market. And you're going to keep flipping cards until you get two cards that have suns on them. So sometimes you're going to have like eight cards in that row that are available for everybody to use. It's like, wow, there's like three stone and there's two weed and there's one clay and, you know, 
all of this amazing resources. Oh, look, there's four wood. You know, wood's like the most common resource. And you can pretty much do anything, right? You're like, wow, look, I have everything I need for my, you know, careful worker to produce some grain or to produce whatever, right? Other times, the first two cards you flip have sons. And you're like, son of a gun. <laughs> There's like nothing in the market this morning, right? And you're like, dang it, you know, there, I, I don't have anything I need. If you don't get what you need, either from the market or from your hand by discarding your own cards to fulfill those requirements then you don't get to produce anything, right? You made no money that round. So um, after everybody has had a chance to look at that market, then you have another interesting decision. You then get the opportunity to decide, am I going to try and build a building this turn? If you think you want to try and build a building, you're going to put a card from your hand face down to indicate, I'm going to try to build this, right? Now remember, buildings don't require resources, but they require money. And a lot of times you're on that razor's edge. Like, I don't really have enough money, but if I get the right card flip, I might have the, uh, the, the, right money, the right ingredients to get the money that I need in order to build this card. Because it's kind of a race game. It's the first player to build a certain number of cards. What is it, 12? I think it's I think 12. It's, yeah, 12. I think it's I 12, including your charcoal count. I don't have the, the rules right in front of me, unfortunately. So, um, yeah. So there's a little bit of a race aspect there, right? And if you don't get what you need to build the building, well, it's not like you, you get penalized, but you have to discard the card. So if it was like a really juicy building that you needed for your production chain, well, say goodbye because now it's gone. So you kind of have to assess that risk. What risk, you might ask? Well, after you look at that flip in the middle of the table for what's called the morning market, there's going to be a second flip after everyone makes their decision about whether or not they're going to try to build something and whether or not they're going to assign their worker to work carefully and produce a lot of goods or work quickly, uh, sloppily, and only produce one good, right? If they work sloppy, they need one less resource than what is listed on the card. If they work carefully, they need everything. Mm -hmm. So you have to make all these decisions, and then there's going to be a second flop. Then you're going to do the evening market or the afternoon market, whatever you want to call it. And you're going to flop cards again from the central display until you get two suns. So again, once again, you could get you know two cards, you know, because they both have suns. You're like, well, now you know I'm totally shafted, right? Or it might flip out to five, six, seven, you know, and you're like, wow, you know, I got everything I needed. Thank goodness, I took a chance. I gambled that I would get everything, and here it is. And now I'm so happy, right? So then you're going to use the cards in the central market, plus any cards that you have in your hand if you run a little short, plus any kind of phantom resources that you have from some of those special cards that you can put down in front of you, and you're going to produce goods. You can then use those goods to build that building, perhaps, that you just set aside there, or you can maybe save them up to build one of the larger valued cards in your hand or, or what have you. After that, everybody is going to get to draw some more cards. I think the base is two. Uh, everybody gets two cards, but you might also have one of those special ability cards that'll let you draw three or something like that, right? Or maybe even four if you build two of those. Well, those cards are awesome because there are potential buildings and there are also potential cards you can discard to build things, you know, to fill the recipe to make the goods that you need. So awesome to have cards in this game. All right. You're going to repeat this cycle until somebody ends the game. So um, there are a few other rules kind of highlights that I'd like to go with, which is a lot of these buildings, pretty much all of them have what's called a production chain effect. So let's say, for example, that I'm uh, trying to raise cattle. And in order to raise cattle, 
I need a, a certain uh, number of resources. And if I get them, my worker will produce a cow. Now, I don't, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to worry about how that happened or what was involved. All it's I know is DNA. I got a cow. I got a cow now, okay? <laughs> but on the other side of the card, uh, there is an icon that will say, if you successfully um, were able to produce this good, in this case a cow, if you discard these other cards from your hand, each one of them turns into a cow. So it's like they have grown fruitful and they multiply, right? Mm -hmm. So like if I have more grain cards, for example, that I can feed the cows, I can just take those grain cards from my hand and just start plopping them on top of that card. And each one of them is now a cow. And so each cow is worth like 3 or $4. So now I just made like $16 in one turn. Yep. So if you can activate the production chain, you're in awesome shape. Another type of production chain will be a building that says, okay, if you successfully produced this good, then if you discard, kind of like, you're not even really discarding. If you pull this clay and you pull this stone, you can take those two and put them on top of this card, and now that's more of this thing. So once again... You're getting to kind of, okay, if I, you know, if I can make all this happen, and it's not easy, because you might make this, this one high-level good that has a production chain, but the production chain requires two other goods that you kind of had to have built in order to have them at the ready so that when you successfully made this one, you get this big cascading effect of, you know, money, 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 right? And it, money. All, come, <laughs> it all comes in, right? So when you can get those production chains to work, it is so much fun because now, you know, you went from being a pauper to being a millionaire, right? Yeah. And it's just a lot of fun. Now, is, is it random? Of course it's random. Any game that has card drawing and card flops and of course it's going to be random. And there have been games where I've been kind of hosed and it hasn't worked out for me. And there's been games where things went totally my way. Um, but irregardless, it's fun and it doesn't take that long. And so I really find it to be a lot of fun as a filler. I kind of almost put it in that San Juan kind of realm, you know? Yeah. Now San Juan is, is I think a deeper game strategically. All right. Um, but this game isn't that far behind it because you got a random draw in San Juan too. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I kind of put them almost in the same feel, like they had, they feel the same weight. Um, there's some, you know, opportunities for really clever play with San Juan, and there's opportunities for really clever play here. The production chains can get quite complex, um, or they can just be very gratifying and easy to pull off, you know, if you have the right cards in your hand and things of that nature. So I really enjoy that. Uh, the last thing about the game, Lloyd, is um, remember there's that, that set of cards that are extra workers. Your extra dudes. Yeah. Right. And so if you can kind of get a certain type and number of cards in front of you built, like three yellow buildings and a red building and a black building. You can then buy this extra worker. So now instead of only having one dude that you can assign to produce something, right? Now you've got two, you know, two guys that you can put to work. And so you can have one working at one building and one working at another. And you can kind of hedge your bets a little bit. Well, you know, maybe I'll send this extra worker to this really difficult to fill recipe that gets me this awesome good, but I might not get it. And I'll put my other guy to work nice and slow at this other building that's kind of guaranteed. Looking at the cards I have in my hand, 
yeah, I think I can make this happen. And so that allows you to make some strategic choices too, which is really kind of cool. You can never get more than two extra workers. It's really hard to do that. Um, but if you do, that can be really powerful too, because then you can have multiple buildings producing in the same round instead of just one. So uh, this is a game that I really found that I enjoyed. I, I, I really don't care about the randomness. I think the uh, art is uh, uh, Clemens Franz. I love Clemens Franz artwork. Um, he's done so much for Lookout Games. And I, I really just enjoy this one. I just find it fun. What, what are your thoughts about this one, Lloyd? I like this one quite a bit, too. And the first time we played it, I couldn't help but kind of think of it like the card game version of Newland. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. We, we played Newland a long time ago. And, I mean, if you want to talk about a chain game where you're trying to make this resource to take it here, to use it to make it here, to take it over here, to put it here, to take it here, to, you know, score maybe a few victory points. I mean, that's Newland, and that, that'll that make your head spin. Right. This one has that same kind of feel, maybe not quite as heavy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got those really cool chains that you can somehow come up with with these cards. It is very random, but I think this has a lot of meat to it for just a bunch of cards. And, like, any type of good... Uh, multi-use card game, mm-hmm. we, you do get a lot of choices with it. I love the way you can play cards out of your hand to add to a resource you might need. So, you know, you might want to take a chance when you see what's out in that market. Yeah, you know what? I am going to go for this building right here, try and produce here because I know I have that card in my hand. I don't want to give it up. Right, but, right, you right. know, let's let's see what comes in that but second it's a safety flop. Net. Yeah, yeah. It is a safety net. And I also really appreciated the uh, the way the market works, that you get to see possibly half of the market mm-hmm. before you kind of decide then what you're doing and what you're building and where you're working. And you can maybe push the envelope and take a little bit of a risk there if you choose to. Right. Or you can just play it safe and, and go with what you already see and not worry about what's coming out in that second half. Right, right. And, you know, I've seen both of those pay off. You yes, know? exactly. I've seen people go for the big strike. And have it happen. And, you know, it's like striking oil. You know, all of a sudden, like I said, you're rich, right? You made it rain. And then I've seen it, you know, bust, you know, three mm-hmm. turns in a row. And that person produced nothing. While the other players who were not going for the big score uh, produced more modest resources that were worth maybe two apiece. And ended up being able to build and end up being able to do things. And eventually ended up winning the game. So... I really appreciate that about the design as well. I, I, I like that uh, it rewards both aggressive mm-hmm. risk-taking yep. and it also rewards uh, being a little more calculating and being a little more conservative. So, again, I think that's possible because of the randomness. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, it opens up all of those paths. And so, you know, the randomness is definitely in there and it might rub some people the wrong way. But to me... It just kind of keeps it fun and it kind of keeps it fresh. So, you know, there are times when I want to go for a particular resource chain based on the, the, the first couple cards I get in my hand. And you know what? I don't get the others. Nope. And, you know, that might rub people the wrong way. Doesn't me. You know, because even those other cards that I got, even though I didn't get the big production chain ones later, boy, they're still worth something. Yeah, they are. I'm still getting money from them. It's not like they're a waste. It's just, you know, I didn't end up getting that last little piece of the puzzle. So, you know, is it a flaw of the game that you can't control that? Uh, Some people might think so, but, you know, I'm of the opinion that I think it's just, it's a light enough game, it's a quick enough game 
that I kind of don't care and I just roll with it and I try to adapt and be a little more tactical about it and just have some fun. So, you know, interestingly for me, this is, you know, just another hit from this designer. Um, and that's something that kind of surprised me a little bit. Like, I, I usually am pretty up on my designers, you know, mm -hmm. if I, I notice them. This guy kind of flew under the radar for me, you know, because I, I really kind of didn't realize that he made Port Royal, which was one of my favorite multi-use card games from last year, yeah. you know. Um, and then, oh, look, you know, uh, he, he did Mombasa. And, mm -hmm. you know, oh, look, he did this game, too. And so he actually is responsible for quite a few games that I really enjoy, uh, including Isle of Sky, which is just kind of creeping up the rankings slowly but surely as more people get the chance to play that one. So, uh, you know, this kind of is telling me that this might be a designer, at least for me personally, that I want to watch. Because if you can make this kind of variety of, of games from these fun kind of card games all the way up to the super kind of crunchiness of Mombasa, mm -hmm. then, you know, this is definitely a designer that I want to look out for. So, uh, Lloyd, do you have anything else that you wanted to say about Oh My Goods? Oh My Goods. Oh, uh, yeah, one of the other things... Oh, no, I no, you got to say it like John Hausman, like, Oh My Goods, oh, or something like that. Oh My you know? Goods. Yeah, something like that. Like, you know, you have to do it like, you know, E.F. Hutton. You have to earn it or whatever. Or I could do it like a Valley Girl and just be like, no, Oh My Goods. No, no, no. <laughs> No, now you've ruined it for me. You've totally ruined it for me. And you're gonna hear I was it going that with way John Houseman, every time. And you were going with Valley Girl. I, I just totally want, did that. I, you know, you got to own that because that I just, gotta bob my head when I did. Oh my good! <laughs> you know what? And now he's just scratching it is his a, head. It is a horrible title. I got to be honest with you, but I didn't ever really think Valley Girl with it. But now you um, know. I was just like more of like the surprise shock of like, look, I found a loaf of bread. You know? Oh my goods! Oh my goods! Right? Yeah. But, you know, and then I went with John Hausman to give it more gravitas, and you went with Valley Girl, which is the entire opposite direction. The opposite. So, no, but thank here's what you I did for messing that up for me. <laughs> You're so welcome. Here's the other thing I liked about this game is. Um, like you pointed out, you're starting goods that you're actually able to produce. Like the card that goes down as your money is going to be worth maybe one money. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then later on, you can possibly get that card onto another production mm -hmm. area through a chain. And now that single card is now worth two. Right. Yeah, you so, you know, value, I, yeah. I love the way that, you know, the, the single cards as your money can kind of travel through your tableau go through these different buildings and you might even be able to get a card going from one to a two to a three maybe even to a four point mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it, it's it's just a really neat way of kind it's of traveling it's very gratifying when it, it happens it's really yeah, nice yeah. when it happens yeah. yeah especially when you can do two or three cards and you're like hey I just made like you said right, 16 right. bucks yeah. in yeah, one out of turn yeah. out of nowhere yeah. It's really kind of fun for that reason. So if, if you like economic kind of games, if you like the idea of production chains, if you like multi-use card games, this is a game in, in a box the size of Coloretto that is just really kind of meaty and fun. Um, and, it, you know, the randomness, I think, keeps it fresh. And there's always interesting kind of choices to make because of the whole push-your-luck element and the mm -hmm. race element to it. So uh, this is really, I think, a, a winner. So... Uh, that's our review for Oh My Goods. Well, that's about all the time we have for this episode of Quick Looks from The Longview. 
As usual, I want to thank my host, uh, Lloyd Keller, for being along for the ride tonight. So uh, thanks, Lloyd, even though you did ruin everything with your Valley Girl impersonation. But I was a good lepidopterist or whatever it was at the beginning, so that kind of helps balance it, it out. It did, it did. All right, I'll give you credit for that. I'll give you a pass on that one. So thanks again for uh, joining me for this episode. I also want to uh, let people know that if you're interested in any of these games, go check out gamesurplus.com. Uh, they are always my first choice when it comes to online board gaming purchases. They have a huge selection of imports coming in all the time. They have fantastic pricing, great uh, packaging, super fast shipping. Go and check out why GameSurplus.com is my choice. And if you do decide to order from them, please be sure to tell them the long view sent you. So for Lloyd Keller and myself, I want to say thanks to everybody out there for listening. Have a great night.